This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello guys and welcome to episode number 46 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben as always and Gary is with me. Are you well, sir? I am well. I'm loving that new jingle. Oh no, wait, no. (laughs) No, we don't. We don't have the new jingle yet. Um, <laughs> I mean, sorry. In, fairness, in fairness, you did actually send me the audio this week, so that's uh, that's one step ahead of where we were. I'm the sort of person that will write out a massive long email, send it, and then realise I haven't put any attachments on it. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I can't really say too much. So, no, yes, no, mate. I'm uh, I'm very good. It's hard not to be at the moment, isn't it? We're in a um, we're in a, a permanent state of success as Lincoln City fans, and we have been for the last uh, three years, which is phenomenal, really. Yeah, it's something of a golden era right now, which is... Uh, I, I had a text from someone the other day, um, and it just said, you know, uh, are you trying... You know, uh, does this feel like it's some sort of parallel universe at the moment? And the only thing I could respond with was, I don't know what's happened to the club, but it's fantastic. Well, I, I've forgotten when we were, when we were crap. I've forgotten uh, right. what, what it's actually like to go into games, um, not expecting to get something from it, and it's quite scary. Wow, yeah, that's uh, that's a scary thought, really, when you think about it, because we've had so many years back to back of of issues, and you know, on the pitch failures and off the pitch issues as well. It's just been it's a weird thing, but now. We are currently sitting second in League One. I mean, yes, we're only two games into the season and it's stupid to look at a league table at this point in the season. But Words right out of my mouth, as Meatloaf said. <laughs> you could uh, you could easily say, you know, this is the highest spot we've been in in God knows how long in the league. And it's it's accurate, although it's, it's accurate with a, a massive great asterisk next to it. So... Yeah, um, I, I think the thing is, it's easy to get excited when uh, when when you've gone on the sort of run that we have at the beginning of a season, and I think especially when it's the first season where there wasn't any expectation at all of, of what could be termed success. You know, everybody really 
talks consolidation or establishment or, or however you want to dress it up. And so I think to go in, certainly on the back of Accrington, you know, last week, I think we kind of thought, well, yeah, that, that's that's a good result. We expected possibly to beat Accrington. You know, it was the sort of game that you could see as winning. Uh, and here we are a week later and um, the world gone crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh, we I think we probably went a little bit late last well I don't think we're possibly a little bit too late to discuss the Freck situation last week but I just want to give lip service to it in as much as it happened he's apologized he didn't need to apologize I think people just got pissed off for no reason um but ultimately I think uh, I think our good friend uh, Danny Nez on Twitter said it you know as as well as you could do um that if you you know if you've had a, a really long relationship with somebody for Know, that you're still on relatively good terms with. There's no shame in admitting if you see them in town. I think Danny used the wording uh, you'd, that you'd still slip him a length, which you know is definitely one of those phrases which I wouldn't have expected to hear in relation to Lincoln City. Um, but yeah, like it, it was, it was just a nonsense, really, wasn't it? Well, it's uh, to be honest, it's split the fan base a little bit. I've still, I've had some messages even the last couple of days, day or so about the article I wrote and saying if you didn't understand the difference between um, some of the examples I put and in the Freck situation, then I'd no right to be a journalist or something along those lines and um, whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm not really going to give it any, any discussion. Uh, when you first read it, it was very poor and then looked read very poor and then you kind of got some context and the, I've spoken to a couple of people behind the scenes as well, and I don't think um, certainly wasn't intended how it came across. It's it's kind of like me and you talking, and um, you know, if when Lincoln were playing Man United under twenty ones, it's like if you said, "Well, jokingly, the best result for me would be a draw." Do you know what I mean? And then I go, "Ben says the best result for him would be a draw," and and all your Manchester yeah. United friends would get upset because you you know you hadn't stuck by your first love. So that's basically exactly how it is. More or less, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, aside from the whole, uh, aside from the whole, me definitely, definitely supporting Manchester United thing. I think you're, you're spot on. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's let's talk about the game because, uh, as you say, I don't think anyone was expecting anything. Which game? Um, oh, the Rotherham game. The Rotherham yeah. game. Yeah, I don't think anyone was expecting anything from that game. I think you know, I I said on the podcast last week, I would be ecstatic with a draw. I genuinely don't think it was a game that anybody expected us to take anything from. Um, we we're sort of the underdogs at this point. Danny and Nicky enjoy that, and I was genuinely shocked when I was listening to the commentary about like how not I wasn't shocked at how good we sounded, but just how how it seemed to be that we we managed to soak everything up that was thrown at us. I mean, it sounds like Rotherham weren't exactly on form on the day. But then you look at the result from their Carabao Cup game and they, they breezed past Shrewsbury. And you think, well, hang on a minute. If they were, you know, if, if they're breezing past teams in in the Cup and we would probably expect, a, you know, people would probably say, oh, you, you're about Shrewsbury sort of level. I'm just wondering, like, because I, I, you went, I mean, how, how was it from, from your point of view? Yeah, first of all, you can't draw any comparisons um, between league form and cup football, certainly not the Carabao Cup. Shrewsbury put a very weak side out um, yesterday. Oh, okay. Rotherham, I think, scored twice early doors. So it's hard to draw any comparisons there. 
Um, I think what happened, we, we went with a game plan. And, and when we've come away on 90 minutes, we've come away with the win and there was talk about it being um, a fantastic performance and, and all that sort of thing. And it was, absolutely. Um, top five away performances, pff, I could name five, I think, that were probably better. Um, couldn't name 10 that were better under the Cowleys. Um, Rotherham started well. I uh, thought they had much more of the possession, but again, we'll, we'll move, I'll move on to stats in a minute. Um, so they, they had more of the possession. They didn't look particularly comfortable with that possession. They didn't look particularly penetrative. penetrative. Um, I would blame the 4-3-3. We're playing a, a three-man forward line. The boy Smith was out wide at one point. Well, he's a big lump of a centre forward. He's you know he's only a few pounds lighter than Matt Reid, I think. And, um, probably should have been playing central. They play Freddie Ladapo on either the left or the right of a central striker as well, which again is ludicrous. This is a guy who got 18 goals last season playing central striker with two creative players behind him. So Rotherham got a lot wrong, um, but they still got a lot wrong with with championship quality players, uh, bar Sean McDonald, but we'll, we'll not talk about him because he's crap. Um, <laughs> so they, they had a decent, they, they, they looked decent enough, but we went with a game plan. And that game plan was certainly to soak up a lot of their early pressure. Um, it was certainly to, to rebuke any effort that they had at goal. Every time that they showed any sort of drive, we, we got a foot in, we got a head in, we got a tackle in. Um, and to that end, for me, it was a typical Danny Cowley performance. Um, now, I, I like words like grit, determination, togetherness, because it does describe Lincoln City, describes how we won the league last season. We sat here and talked about it yeah, a million times. Well, not a million, because we've only done 40-odd um, episodes. But you know what I mean? It's all the time we were talking, well, we're not particularly the prettiest team with the ball, but we're the best without it. And that was something that I think really came out of the Berry draw last year, 3-3. Mm. And I think that that, to a degree, summed up the first 40 minutes. The difference this season, thus far, we're only three games in, is that when we do have the ball, when we are in possession, we're a bloody decent team as well. And I think that comes mm. specifically from, from Jack Payne, um, but also your George Grants, your Joe Morrells, you know, these new players, Tyler Walker, they're, they're ball players. They want space. They create time. Um, they're quick. They make quick decisions. And 90% of the time, they're the right decisions. And when you couple that with that fight that we had with the Mickey O'Connors, with the Kean Bulges, Michael Boswicks, Harry Tofflows, and to a degree, Harry Anderson, who's just kind of a strong fighter as well, very good winner, um, you actually get a very good blend. And we took our one mm. chance. Well, we didn't take it. Sean McDonald took it for us. But Tyler Walker did everything right. Yeah, that free kick. We, mm. we saw it two seasons ago. Matt, Matt Green, I think, was the first who was the beneficiary getting down into the channel. We've seen Bruno get down into the channel. Tyler Walker gets it once. And what he's done, he's got down into the channel and he's put the ball across goal. And it's the perfect cross. And for a centre forward, it's, you know, it, it's tremendous because if you get it quick with pace into the six yard area, and, and defenders can panic and McDonald panicked and instead of facing away from goal he, was, he got it all wrong 1-0 to the Imps and then we scored at the right time when we came out in the second half because yeah, at 1-0 that's a very delicate scoreline and at 1-0 many people were still thinking I would suppose I'll take the draw and then we get a corner why nobody decided to mark Harry Anderson I mean it was it was basic if an under 10s team were as lax at marking as that I think that there would be a few water bottles flying around the changing room afterwards. But I've got we've got a winger who pops up on the edge of the six yard area or wherever it was and powers ahead of past the keeper. Um at two nil, yeah. 
I, I don't recall and do anyone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember us losing from two nil down. I know we drew two, two with Stevenage last year. I think that was a one off in all the games I've ever seen Lincoln play bar, probably the Stevenage one. I've always felt if we get two nil up, we're going to win it. And, um, and so it proved we weathered a bit of a storm in the end. People going on about Josh Vickers' his save, rightly so. Made me look a mug. There's me saying Evtimov looked to, look, made a Gordon Banks style save and, and Josh does the same. So, uh, yeah. well, what did you think of the yeah, save? I think Josh did it. Uh, I think Josh did it with a little bit more panache, if I'm honest. I think he, he um, I did see a couple of comments where some people, um, presumably fans of opposing teams, just sort of said, oh, it was straight at him. It's like, I mean, it wasn't. Really, was it? Not, not if he's two inches not, tall, because it was straight down at goal. He yeah. had to get down and scoop it yeah, up. Exactly. And, and the thing is, you've still got to get it away from goal. And for me, it's not just how he's got to it. It's not particularly how close he is to it. It's the manner in which not only has he got a hand to it, but he's flicked it up and away. You know, that, that's yeah. a good save. It was a better save than Matt Jilks' save at MK Don's. Um, maybe not as crucial because we were 2-0 up had it gone in you know we were more or less in injury time um, but it was still a fantastic save and you know for us to keep two clean sheets in the league against a team like Accrington who you know do create chances and then a team like Rotherham who surprisingly had a more direct approach than I thought they might in the second half Um, you know I I had them down as a footballing team and, and to be fair once the, well, they got frustrated um, and you could see it all over the pitch and it's not particularly evident in the highlights, but you know, one or two of their tackles that they got booked for were just angry tackles because things weren't going their way. And they started misplacing passes and they started just, they were getting angry. And we did what we do because, you know, we, we, we can shit ours with the best of them. And if we want to kill time, we want to put the ball out for a throw in and we want to take our time over our set pieces, we can make it look like we're trying to get on with the game and we don't. Um, and we did. We killed the game from 55 minutes. It wasn't a fantastic contest, but it doesn't need to be, does it? You win 2-0. As you say, we're top of the league after two points, with two games rather, which means nothing at all, but it's still nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, I mean, from from where I was sat, you know, we, we were listening to it at home and it, it just sounded like it was... And I I did call it last week. Actually, I did say, and you you said no, we won't, we won't, we won't. And uh, I said it was, you know, we would go there and we'd do what Lincoln do. Um, and I think it was it was definitely it was really really pleasing to listen to because it was just one of those performances when at the end of it, ev- like everybody to a man sounded like they had a really really good game. Um, and from what I understand, it was really hard to pick a man of the match as well. Um, but uh, I know you went with Kian Bolger for your man of the match, which if you'd have said to me uh, a couple of weeks ago, by the way, yeah, Kian Bolger's going to get you know a, a man of the match award throughout the whole season, let alone in two weeks' time, I probably would have said that you were you know you're having me on. But um, by all accounts, he had an absolute stormer. Yeah, I like Kian. Nice guy. I interviewed him yesterday for the programme this Saturday, and it's a must buy because he opens up a little bit about last season and, and the difficulties that he's faced. So it's um, that'll be well worth a read if you're at the game on Saturday. Um, I just think that what we're seeing is is probably what you could term the Tom Pet effect from last year. In that uh, you know Tom arguably struggled for six months after signing in January. Um, 
found it hard to settle and then had a pre-season and started last season like uh, like he'd been drinking rocket fuel. Um, and I think he got a player of the month, didn't he, really early doors. And I think it's the yeah. same with Kean. And I think it's not necessarily footballers as a whole that struggle with a January move. Because I think, you know, we've seen plenty of examples where, for instance, Ilias Chair, who went into Stevenage six months loan in January, bang, revolutionised their season. So there was no trouble settling there. But I think with Lincoln, it's different. And I think that's because the level of detail that Danny and Nikki and the team put into preparation, I think the the work that they do on an individual basis with the players, and I think a lot of the set pieces and a lot of the approaches actually take time to take in. I think that we are, and I'm not saying we're any more or less technical than, than certain teams, Um no, actually, yeah, balls, that is what I'm saying. I think that we probably are in, in the respect of the way that they prepare. I think it's harder for a player to settle in. I think it's like if you, this might sound derogatory, but if you are a road sweeper, okay, and you go and you, you start sweeping roads with somebody else, within a day or two, you could probably pick it up. Whereas I think that if you're a lawyer, for instance, and you go to a new law firm, I think it takes longer for somebody to settle in. And I, I'm not calling Stevenage road sweepers and Lincoln lawyers, uh, no, I am actually. Yeah, that is what I'm doing. Um, so, but you see the point that I'm making. I think that we're a little bit more complicated behind the scenes, and I think that players do struggle. James Wilson struggled to settle after he first came and played his best football. Never. Um, Lee Frecklington struggled to settle after he came first of all, and then played good football at the beginning of last season. So. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Just a word on stats, actually, if you don't mind listening to my voice for a little bit longer. Um, it was interesting because last night uh, Steve Thompson was talking about stats and and he was saying, you know, stats rule your life these days, don't they? And to a degree, he's right, isn't it? Because, you know, they, they can tell you how tall you are, how heavy you are, how much you sweat, how much overweight you are, how much, uh, you know, how quick your heart beats, all that sort of stuff. And it's the same with football. It can tell you how many passes you've made, how many aerial duels, how many shots on goal, what your XG is. They even have now shot XG as well. So it can tell you how many t- how many shots you're expected to create during a game. But what it can't tell you, what stats don't tell you unless you really read it, is the sort of things that numbers can't tell you about yourself. They can't tell you how pretty you are, how friendly you are, how arrogant you are. Those things can't be taught, taught um, demonstrated in numbers. It's the same with football, isn't it? So we, I could, we could look at the numbers from the Rotherham game. They had 17 shots with three on target. We had three with three on target. They played 100 passes more than we did. Their pass accuracy was 74.15. Ours was 64.45. So that doesn't tell you that we won 2-0. And it doesn't suggest to you that we were the better team. But we were the better team. And it's that something that's not quite there in the numbers, I think, that we got right on Saturday. Although when you actually look at it, we had more interceptions, we made more clearances and we were more defensive duels than, than Rotherham. So the pattern's there if you look for it. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I just, honest to God, if you had told me that we'd have won 2-0 at Rotherham, like going into that game, I would have called you a liar because it was, it was just a really, really, like, just really good to listen to on the radio and I, I sort of wish I was there to be honest but I couldn't make it due to due to work commitments but uh. well we're not I don't want to be the sort of people that make fans feel that they have to be at games I think that's you know that's maybe something that we might talk about when we move on to our next game but there isn't any shame in not going to an away game don't make you any less or more of a, of a supporter 
Um, some people would have you believe it. Yes, there are those that go to every single game. Um, I think uh, Sam and Lucy Ray tend to go to every game. And uh, yeah, hats off, absolute admiration for them. Uh, my mate Jimmy, uh, I can't think of his surname now, we're that close. James Atkin um, goes to every game. But yeah, I don't think because you didn't go to this game, for instance, or I don't go to another game that... Um, some elements of the support might make us feel that, you know, you're not much of a fan because you didn't go to Rotherham. Everyone's got lives to lead as well, you know. So, yeah, But it was a bad game to miss. Yeah, I know. And I, I think um, the... I'm just hoping that the uh, the Yorkshire bonus or the Yorkshire boon continues when we uh, when we go to Donny because I can make that game and I will be at that game. So I'm really looking forward to it. But, I fancy us uh, at Donny. I know it's next week's podcast, but... Darren Moore's not a great manager. His transfers haven't been brilliant. They've lost a lot of players. Yeah, I fancy that. Yeah, I I mean, as you say, we'll talk about it uh, in more depth next week. But um, the other thing that we need to, to talk about uh, this week is, of course, uh, our victory in the, uh, the Carabao Cup, taking us away from uh, the, the, the hex, if you like, of, of uh, Huddersfield's ground and claiming the scalp of a team that was in the Premier League this time last year. So, I mean, I think we all knew they weren't going to be in the Premier League for long, but uh, it was definitely uh, it was definitely a big scalp last night. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's that curse of their ground. It was interesting. Um, you know, we we lost to Emily there on penalties, of course, in the FA Cup in. Uh, 96, 97, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, uh, 97, 98. Wrong, My, no, yeah. it was 97, 98. I think it was the year we went up. Um, yeah. And it was, that was the first time we went. And obviously there was there was Pavel Abbott's offside uh, goal that never was, thanks to George Kane. And obviously then there was the, the heartbreaking playoff game that I'm sure most of us were at, that um, mm. Andy Booth cheated. Pure and simple, he dived and, and, and we would have won that game. And, and we would have won at Wembley that year because I think and again please do correct me anyone if I'm wrong but I think Mansfield Northampton was the other playoff semi-final that year and I think mm-hmm. both of those teams were below average you know I think Huddersfield went up so but look that's by the by and um, we were going to do a podcast on Sunday and the reason yes. we were going to do the podcast on Sunday was because we thought that we wanted to cover the Rotherham game um, and we wanted we didn't need a lot of time to preview the Huddersfield game and and maybe you you know you might not concur, but I, certainly the feeling with me was, and I'll admit it readily, brought into Danny's rhetoric. I thought we were going to go there. I thought we'd see Alex Bradley, Jordan Adebayo, Smith, Ellis Chapman, um, Aaron Lewis, all of those play, and I thought we'd lose four 0 pure and simple. I thought we'd get beat. I had a group chat with a couple of the writers for the Stacey West. I put the same in the group chat. Thought we'd get easily beaten. When I looked at the Huddersfield team, hmm, yeah. It, it did raise my eyebrows a little bit. Ten changes. Uh, Josh Caroma, who played up top four and played for Leighton Orient last year. I don't think he's played league football. You had Reese Brown, Forrest Green last year. Uh, and we had half a first team, half of a reserve team. You know, I wouldn't go as far as to say that we had as many reserves out as we did against Blackburn. be interesting, actually. I might do a piece on that. Um, and, yeah, we went there and matched them, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, we... Well, we did more than match them. Um, <laughs> again, it, it, I was uh, I was listening to it last night, and it, it just sounded it it sounded. I think Tomo summed it up pretty perfectly that Huddersfield put out eleven players, and we put out a team. 
um, we've got that togetherness, we've got that bond, and it sounds like it's running all the way through the squad, not just you know, the 11 quote-unquote regulars that would start. Um, it definitely felt to me like it was uh, it was a big night, it was a big result, and, you know, at the end of it, that is, not going into it, you know, going into it, I think I was very much the same as you. I thought we were going to see... Um, I thought we were going to see a, a much changed side. I mean, we've, we've only got a squad of, is it 19 at this point? Uh, I'll take your word for it. Uh, I think it's 19. So you're not going to have like wholesale changes because we've not got the squad, you know, we've not got the squad depth to do that. Um, but what was interesting was the changes that were made and the changes that, more importantly, probably weren't made. Like you say, I was expecting to see Jordan Adebayo-Smith there. I was expecting to see Alex Bradley there. Um, but when you listen back to what Danny was saying beforehand, he said, you know, I, I don't want to put too much pressure on the young lads. I don't want to throw them in at the deep end. I don't want to potentially cause them problems. So I don't know, maybe that was that was his thinking that he didn't want to to put out an entirely sort of depleted side and if we can get any money from this competition i know there's not a huge amount in it compared to some of the other ones but if we can get any any victory you know any um prize money in it then we can move forward and potentially put that back into whatever transfer budgets that uh, that danny's got so it it sounded like it was a really impressive performance from us it was a really dire performance from huddersfield and um we just I mean, three games in, no goals conceded. I think that was one of the criticisms that we we picked up last year was that we didn't we didn't keep that many clean sheets throughout the season, and we're already on three after three games, which is uh, not something I would have predicted. It sounds like Grant Smith had a great game as well, um, and I think you you summed it up really well in your uh, your piece on the game last night, where he said that he he didn't throw his toys out of the pram. You know, he he sort of kept his head down when he went down to third choice keeper. He kept on working. And it's paid dividends for him now because he's, you know, he, he had an absolute blinder last night by the sounds of it. So, um, yeah, really good win. Really, really happy with that. And a, a really nice tie for the second round as well. Yeah, I mean, just uh, before we, we move on to the tie, just going back on to um, Danny's thinking behind the selection. Last year after the Blackburn game, we lost um, two of the next three games. And I think we'd, we'd won every game going into it. So as I came away from Rotherham on Saturday, I actually said to my dad as we were walking back to the car, it's a pity we've got Huddersfield on Tuesday because winning's a habit that it's good to get into. And I think maybe that's a, a, at the back of Danny's mind. I mean, to be fair, the day the week, the game after Blackburn went away to Exeter and won 3-0. So there wasn't actually that much of a hangover. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was really interesting to see that team selection. As you said, one of the players I I wanted to kind of point out was was Michael O'Connor, who came on perhaps when he wasn't intended to. Um, mm. I, I don't think um, you know he's, he's I, I know he hasn't had the benefit of a preseason. I don't think he's at a hundred percent fitness. I think he's actually been incredible um, for the first couple of games of the season. So I, I think it's it's the players that weren't meant to play that did very well. I mean, obviously Neil Erdley going into centre back for the last 15, 20 minutes of the game as well, just shows that kind of versatility that we've got in the side that you don't expect. So mm. nobody can predict the draw that we're going to get. So, you know, we we went away and won at Huddersfield. We could have then ended up going, uh, 
know, away to Grimsby or Macclesfield or something like that in the next round, or we could have got an equally as stinking draw. And what we actually got, if you look at it, was probably the very best draw that we could have got. Um, mm. Bar perhaps Leeds or, or Newcastle, because the draw is obviously regionalised. The big clubs don't come into it who are the ones that are in Europe. So no Manchester United, no Liverpool, no Manchester City. So outside of those, you're looking at Everton as probably the next team down. They used to be in the, the, the so-called big five. Newcastle and, and Leeds would always be big games purely by their fan base and, and the nature of the club. But certainly the biggest game that we could get. And that's before you even consider Clive Nates' um, links with Everton as well. And before you mm. consider, you know, the FA Cup tie. Um, so it is a phenomenal draw. In itself is reward enough for putting some of our players on the line because it's a full house. Let's face it, Macclesfield went away and they beat Blackpool yesterday. Superb result for them, beating a team one, one division above, which is arguably all we've done. Um, okay, ours had just dropped out of the Premier League. So they, they had a great result and they've been rewarded with an away trip to Grimsby, which is... Incredibly disappointing, isn't it? It's, it's uh, yeah. there's no parallel I can I can think of that you know that you go away and you get this fantastic resort and then someone rings you up and says your reward is a way trip to Grimsby Town. Oh yeah, cheers. Thanks for that. Um, it's like when you get that email from the lottery that says you've won and then you click on it. It's like you've won one pound. You've won <laughs> like you've won three pound twenty in your syndicate offer. God, <laughs> you've won oh. another go on the lottery, which you know full well you will win <laughs> nothing at all from. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'll keep an eye out for that on the draw. Cheers. So, but no, we've got a great draw, an absolutely fantastic draw. And uh, I know people have already commented on Facebook, but to see, uh, and we'll take the under 21 bit out. I think City's game with Manchester United has been cancelled on the, the 27th because of the cup tie with Everton. Wow, it certainly makes a difference from Salisbury and Welling, doesn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> and it might actually work well because it pushes our EFL trophy games back a little bit. And I still think Danny will um, be looking to do well in those. And I think some of our younger players will be hungry by the time we get to that. I don't expect us to get past Everton because I expect Danny to do what he did last night with Huddersfield and that's play some some fringe players. Um but then you don't know. I've, I've given up trying to second guess the boss, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a great night, and I think this is where, obviously, when we went away to Everton, we were you know, we put a really strong side together, and I I think to be fair, I think we matched Everton for for large parts of that game. I think uh, the two quick goals took us by surprise and we, we found it difficult to get into it after that but I don't, I don't even, think we ma- I don't think we matched them I think we answered their questions you know they they, yeah. they had much more possession and much more uh, ability um, but we did what we do and I think yes. I think that's crucial difference here of course is it will be likely a weakened Everton side you know they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're not certainly depending on how their Premier League season's going, it, it will be a mixture of their reserves and maybe some of their younger players as well as the odd first-teamer. And, you know, we, we know what happens when teams underestimate us, or certainly Burnley do, Brighton do, Ipswich do. Uh, so, yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting in that respect. And also, the key is, it's going to take place before the transfer window shuts. So, yes. I wouldn't be surprised if if that, um, I mean, I know in terms of budgeting, you can budget for that income anyway, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if it doesn't allow us to bring in at least one more loan player 
Uh, and it's a great opportunity to have Everton over to us and, you know, they can have a little look at our facilities and if they've got any young players, this relationship that seems to be building up between the two clubs might actually lead us to to pick up an Everton youngster and let's face it, it wouldn't hurt to have another winger or another central defender or something like that on our books. So, yeah, it can only be a good thing. And unfortunately, I've got to um, confess to Comrade Needham, who I'm sure will love it when he listens to this, that playing the real Everton at Sinsel Bank is far more um, lucrative and and, and enticing than playing Manchester United under-21s. However, (laughs) the Manchester United under-21 game will still have commercial value. It will still attract some supporters to the ground who perhaps don't normally go to Sinsel Bank. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it, that competition for me does still have value. We won't get to Wembley in the Carabao Cup. Uh, I do think there's an outside chance that we could in the EFL Trophy. So, yeah. What's it I called, mean, that, Matt? Leasing.com. Leasing.com Trophy. I mean, it's still a checker trade, isn't it? Yeah, they've That's kind of, it's a bit of a stigma, isn't it? It's like when... Um, it's like Kevin Lavelle will never be the actor Kevin Lavelle, will he? He'll always be Kevin from Coronation Street. And that's what Checker <laughs> Trade Trophy is. Yeah, Checker Trade. I don't even know what Checker Trade do. I assume it's some sort of comparison website. I don't know. that They'll always be. I think uh, yeah, I think it's like some sort of, um, like if you're registered with tra- Checker Trade as a builder, then they can like verify your work or something. Yeah, for me, it'll always be the the, the, the you know, they'll always be the, the company that sponsored the competition that everybody hated, except those that won it. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, you, you say about um, you know the, the the name; it's it's a bit like um, is it Jason Biggs? You know, if you say who's Jason Biggs, and you go, oh yeah, the guy that stuck his bits in a pie in American Pie. It's oh yeah, 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 him. So it's it's always going to be that guy. Yeah. Um, Except he was also famous for playing himself. He was going to play Bluntman and Chronic in the Jay and Silent Bob movie. I don't know if you ever saw that. I love Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, that's, that's where I got that joke from. Well, yeah. Really. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah, of course oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's the actual scene I'm yeah. thinking of as well. So, uh, But yeah, anyway, look, I, yeah, fantastic draw for the club. Uh, phenomenal night. Despite the cup run, this is actually the first time that a Premier League team, and do correct me if I'm wrong, have been to Sinsel Bank in competition uh, since I believe the mid nineties, I was going to say, would it be? It would either be Southampton or Sunderland. I can't remember if Sunderland were Premier League when they came up. No, South, came uh, Sunderland weren't. I thought so it was. Yeah, I actually thought it was Crystal Palace. You know, the Crystal Palace might have been before yeah. that. I mean, obviously, we've played away. We played away at Fulham. Uh, okay. Obviously, we played away at Burnley. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, you might actually be right thinking about it. It might actually have been Southampton in the replay because they were Premier League, weren't they, at the time? So, I, I, yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking about the time uh, we beat. Was that the year? Go on. I was going to say, was that the year after we beat Man City? No. Or was that same the same year? Yeah, we beat Man City to earn, earn the run. tie away at the Dell and drew 2-2, didn't we? And got the, That's it, yeah. got the replay and that would be 96. And we haven't played, uh, Crystal Palace was before that. I'm thinking of Palace being the last top flight team that we beat at Sinsel Bank. I think we beat them 1-0 and then went to their place. We draw in 0-0 and then Gary Willard, the referee, decided that he wanted to play until Palace scored. 97 minutes. Well, wouldn't that have been Man City? Sorry? Man City would have been the, the last. 
Premier League team we beat. No, Man City were in the Championship when we beat them. They weren't in the Premier League. I can never remember where Man City were at any given moment. Yeah, they weren't in the Premier League because the next (laughs) year, the next year, they were relegated into the third tier and we played them in the league. So we beat them in the cup. They'd just dropped out of the Premier League and we beat them in the cup. Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. So, um, we will move on to previewing Southend. Um, and I'm assuming that Gary has done a hell of a lot more preparation than I have, as he normally tends to do. Yeah, I mean, what's your preparation that bit before we started recording, where you asked me if the last time we played them was the playoff final? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was... That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, you weren't far off. I think there was only the ones afterwards, weren't there? And it was it was wasn't memorable. What I do remember about that one game before we go into it was uh, was Scott Spencer, and I don't know if you remember him, but Scott Spencer looked like Screech from Saved by the Bell, <laughs> and uh, he he'd been at South End and they'd got rid of him, and he'd come to play for his big friend Steve Tilson. And um, I remember there was this big build up that he desperately wanted to score against South End, and I think we won that game two one, and he came on. And had a great chance in the last minute and missed it. And I just remember looking at him and just thinking, do you know, if I ever get my chance of my dream, I don't want to do a screech. He had this <laughs> stupid hair. And then the next year or two, he moved to Hyde. And I think he scored like 25 goals for him, even playing against us. So, yeah, you found your level. And at the time, sadly, so would we. Um, yeah, I have done a bit of a uh, bit of research on South End. I mean, the one bit that you don't really need to research in order to know is that they've lost two games already this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a dangerous situation for us to be in because they've lost two, we've won two. Uh, they've conceded four, we've conceded none. Okay, they won in the cup last night, but it was it was against Stevenage. They were playing a team below them. They were 1-0 down for a long while, relied on a kid called Charlie Kelman to come on and score a brace, who we'll touch upon in a minute. Um but we shouldn't be underestimating Southend. Okay, they lost 3-1 to Blackpool uh, this weekend. Blackpool are obviously the team that are technically top of the league, although the, the table doesn't matter at the moment. Um, but they actually had 16 shots uh, with four on target, Southend. And Blackpool had seven with three on target. So they're having their chances. The problem that you've got is that they haven't been able to really invest in centre-forwards as such. And so they're swipping, swapping between um, the likes of Manton, Simon Cox, Humphrey, Theo Robinson as well is there. I think Theo started for them. Uh, and Cal, Charlie Kelman's been coming on and off the bench. So they, they've gotten, they haven't settled on anybody up top at the moment. And there's a massive clamour for Kelman to partner Simon Cox this weekend. Cox has obviously been around, very experienced. Uh, Charlie Kelman's a player that West Ham have allegedly been watching. Uh, announced he's himself on the scene by scoring from inside his own half last season and then has kind of drifted in and out. And the side came on last night, scored a header, and then scored a tremendous second goal. I think that there's a very strong likelihood that he might start um, because uh, the uh, the manager there, Kevin Bond, I think he's already under a little bit of pressure and they've not got an awful lot of money. They've just sold Drew Yearwood, who uh, who was one player who had come through the ranks with them and he looked to be a really, really exciting prospect. Um, but he, he's now moved on as well. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I have picked out a key player, as, as you probably realised that I would, Ben, quite right, while I was just eating my uh, my chicken and chips for my dinner. Uh, <laughs> sorry, if Fee's listening to this, sorry, no, my salad, my tuna salad uh, for <laughs> dinner. Um, one player they have signed that's really interesting is Mark Milligan. 
Mm-hmm. Mark Milligan has been capped 70 or 80 times for Australia. He's 34 years old. He's playing in front of their back four. Um, if you look at his heat map, you can quite clearly see where he plays because it doesn't extend any further than this little circle in front of the back four. Um, maybe occasionally drifting off to the right when he played on the, the right centre midfield. Um, they played a 3-5-2 against Blackpool. So he played on the kind of the right of the holding midfield. They played a 4-4-2 against Coventry where he played a traditional holding midfield role. Now, he is a passer of the ball. He has made more passes in League One this season, OK, it's only over two games, than any other player. And this is South End United who have lost twice. So he's, he's a distributor. 89.9% pass accuracy, which over a couple of games, that, that's, that's good. It's not in the top five. It's, I don't even think it's in the top 10 in the league at the moment. Um, interestingly, Alex Woodyard is the third most accurate passer of the ball in our division at the moment. Mm. Um, but... Mark Milligan, uh, he's also um, made 84% pass accuracy into the final third. And over two games, he's passed the ball 139 times. So we're not talking about a player that just passes sideways. He's not making lateral passes. He's not making backward passes. He's looking forward. And I think it would be dangerous to look at South End with the results that they've had, with the resources that they have, and think this is a game we should be winning. There are no games in League One that Lincoln City should be winning. Not in reality, not at this stage of the season. When you're 10, 15, 20 games in and teams have established form and teams have established um, a hierarchy, then maybe so. So if this was 20 games in and Southend were fourth from bottom and we were third, then it's a game we should be winning. When you're two games in, nothing has been settled at all. Um, You know, Coventry only just beat them 1-0. you know, Coventry are a, a decent side expecting to be up there in the playoffs. And as we've proven, OK, Blackpool won 3-1, but Southend actually weren't completely out of the game either. So it's going to be a fascinating tie. Um, having said all of that, I think we'll win, but that's yeah, I don't think that we'll expect it. And Kean, uh, again, in, in the programme interview, if you get a chance to read it, makes some interesting comments about preparation for games like this and how, well, not interesting comments, as opposed to standard comments, about how it <laughs> makes absolutely no difference whatsoever. Yeah, it's. Um, it, it. I think you're right when you say it's one that we shouldn't expect to win. Um, I think the expectation is is it shouldn't really be there at any stage of the season unless, like you say, we are with probably third or wherever. But it's we are really in the unknown at this point. This is you know we we haven't been at this level for for twenty years. We've not been. We've not really been privy to a lot of these teams. Um, I think some of the teams that we played in, in League Two had been in the National League. They had been, you know, kind of in and around us previously. Um, although, yes, you know, obviously players change and managers change and all the rest of it. But this league at the moment is is a bit of an unknown. And, and like you say, I think we played South End twice in the past fifteen years or so. Um, well, three times actually. If you uh, yeah, three or four times in the past sort of fifteen years, which is when you think about it, it's that's not that many times, and it's um, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'm kind of expecting us to to do more of the same. To be honest, I think we'll see a, a decent. Do you reckon we'll see any changes? Because I, I personally don't in terms of the lineup. Well, we will from last night. Um, and again, I think much depends. <laughs> <laughs> I think much depends on the injury situation as well, um, mm. because obviously there's Jason Shackle to come in, and that, yeah, that's going to be an, an interesting call for Danny to have to make. That uh, was the one with Shaq's opinion on, yeah. <laughs> 
I I hope that he doesn't make the change. Okay. I don't think he's planning on playing Mike. Uh, I think he's planning on playing Michael Boswick because he took Bosley off last night. So it's a straight shout between whether it, whether it's Kieran Bolger or Jason Shackle. Um, I don't I don't subscribe to that. Never change a winning team. Don't I don't believe in that at all. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if a team's won or lost. You prepare for the next game. Um, but Kian has had a, a solid start to the season. Uh, he's, he's been, he was incredible, I thought, against Rotherham. I think he's a superb footballer. I know Steve Thompson said that he did us a little bit on the ball. I think it was Steve Thompson said that yesterday on the on the radio, um, but not for me. So that might be the only change other than, you know, I mean, I know Joe Morell came off yesterday. I don't know what that was about, but it, uh, fitness would be the only other reason we might change something. I think um, Nicky confirmed last night that it was uh, it was asthma um, that okay. caused Morel to come off. I think just before the the half started, he was uh, he was on as inhaler, and I think they said that they need to try and find something with a little bit of a stronger. Um, I think he said that there was an inhaler that they had with with a steroid in it. I think they were trying to find something possibly a little bit stronger to help combat it. But yeah, it doesn't sound like it was too serious for Morel to come off. Um, no, we'll need him on form on Saturday. This the the, the Milligan um, thing is is interesting. I think depending on how Southend set up will change the game as well. If they come four four two like they did against uh, Coventry on the opening day, and that was they went to St Andrews, so you would think that's their go to away formation. Mm. Um, I think we'll stand more chance uh, with a three five two. I think that that tends to stifle our wing play a little bit, but then that's last season. So if they're playing three five two and looking to stop us on the wings, we've got Payne and Morrell coming through the middle, who are um, incredible footballers. Mm. So you know we're, we're we're a handful for a team to plan against. We're just yeah. so threadbare. Uh, if yeah. we had another two or three squad players who were the quality of our existing players, depending on where they said that we had enough cover. I would change my prediction to um, to a playoff spot. I think. Wow! But okay. we're we're not going to get that that level of player. From what I've seen, one of the biggest worries I think in the back of people's minds was this was uncharted territory. Okay, we knew mm. League Two. We knew when we went into League Two that we were good enough for League Two. We knew that because we won the National League. We had great players. We went on the cup run. Um, we knew League Two last season because we'd been in it a year. We knew what was required. We knew Danny and Nicky could handle that. But stepping up into League One is different altogether. And there was possibly a worry that will Danny and Nicky be able to attract the right type of player? You know, because quite often they've been fishing around in, in the non-league or, or do you want to mean for the free agent? And when Danny was saying things like, we have to take people who are not at the top of their game at the minute, I didn't then expect them to bring in Tyler Walker, who was at the top of his game, Jack Payne, who was arguably at the top of his game, and Joe Morrell, who is completely unproven, but certainly wasn't you know at the bottom of his game. Um, so the, the, for me, Danny and Nicky have proven, or the staff have proven very quickly that um, their league one quality. They're, they have no problem in stepping up. Football is a game that behind the scenes is the same whatever level you play. If you've got the right attention to detail and the right tactical approach, you know, you're, you're as good as, as, as you need to be. It was always about then the players. And for me, that they're, they're executing the plans more precisely than we were at the end of last season. I fear, I fear for uh, Tom Pett coming back in the side. You know, I think he's going to be cover and, and little more. No disrespect. I like Tom. Can't see Tom Pett dislodging either Jack Payne or Joe Morrell. No. It's going to be interesting. I mean, the, the thing is, I think um, I think Tom Pett's going to be 
he's probably going to be one of those players that will come in um, in probably, I don't know, sort of January, February sort of time um, and maybe sort of play the first 45, 60 minutes and then kind of help the, uh, you know, help wear down the opposition. Not that he's the kind of player that would, um, you know, he's not like a Michael O'Connor or something like that where he's going to get stuck into them, but he'll, he'll sort of make sure that they're relatively kind of worn out to the point where you can bring Jack Payne and Joe Morell on and, and really, really tear them apart with, you know, with, with their pace and the skill that they've got towards the last half an hour or so. Um, I can see that happening, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I, if Jack Payne and Joe Morell are fit, they start simple. Um, I think uh, Tom will be cover for those areas. Uh, it's probably Joe Morell more than anything because Jack Payne's kind of the Shane McCartan figure, let's say, and, and Tom... Uh, Pet didn't replace Shea last year. Tom was was that kind of forward thinking midfielder against the the Michael O'Connor or the Marco Hara type. So um, mm. you know, it w- much will depend on that. But Joe Morrell's such a good footballer, uh, and you know, he's he, he puts the tackle, and you can see that he's got that under twenty one international ability. And, and that don't take anything away from Tom. Tom's a, Tom's a nice footballer, and this sort of passing game might suit him more with the players around him looking for the more intelligent runs because he's a very intelligent footballer as well. Um, but to have those players fit, when you think if Tom was fit and Shax was was not suspended last night, um, there's two sort of key players, two key individuals that would have boosted the squad. So, I, I, you know, we need two or three. I don't think we'll get two or three, but we do need them. Um, but if we got two or three that were the level of Grant, Morrell, Payne, Harry Anderson, Bozzy, that sort of thing, yeah, we'd be we'd be a top six pros- proposition. We would. Fair enough. There we go. And, and hopefully, as you suggested, um, the Everton game might give us that little bit of a springboard to, to maybe dip our toes into the low market before the window shuts. I would like yeah, to not, see not- that, I think. Sorry, go on. I was just saying, not not to not to the level of of George Grant, Tyler Walker, that not to that sort of level. It will allow us to bring in a um, I don't know, I, I can't think of a, a player from last season because obviously Danny Rowe was a very good player. He came in, Mark O'Hara was. Maybe it will allow us to bring in a Lee Angle or a Jordan Roberts type who have got the ability, but won't really get a kick. And that's the danger. You see, that's the problem with having a big squad because you have a big squad. Mm. And then those players don't get a run out and you get that squad disharmony. And part of our success has been that kind of living by on the seat of our pants, isn't it? I think yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fine balancing act. You're only ever one injury away from it backfiring. But as Jordan Roberts and Lee Angle proved last year, you're only a good run away from fans going, why have we wasted money on them? Yeah. And I, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's exciting times, Ben. You know, we're fighting at the right end of the league and we're doing the right things on the field. And if things do go wrong, inevitably there will be criticism. But I don't think um, I don't think there would be any criticism from people who understood understood the the, the aspects behind the scenes. Mm, absolutely, and I think it's quite it's quite telling to me that we're not. You know, we're already sort of not looking over our shoulder at the. The, the the wrong end of the league. I don't think we've seen anything in the past. Well, three games. If if you've uh, if you've seen all three, or you know, for, for myself, I've not seen anything in the Accrington game, and I've not heard anything from the other two games that would suggest that we're going to be battling it out at the wrong end of the table come the end of the season. So, um, absolutely I think not. 
Yeah, there you go. So I think it's probably a good spot to to wrap it up for the week. Um, is there anything you need to plug before we go? Two things I want to ask. First of all, how many likes do you have to get on a tweet for it to be classed as going viral? 10,000 is the official, quote, official figure. Okay, forget that then. Uh, next up... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got 416 likes and Lyle Taylor, the, uh, the Charlton Athletic forward is one of them. And that's, that's the most exposure I've ever had online. I'm quite excited by it in a sad is, sort is that, of way. Is that the Salford one? That's the Salford one. Yeah. And to be honest, yeah. as soon as I constructed it, the intention was for that to happen. Um, so there we go. Uh, no, the one thing I'd like to plug and it's not on my behalf is the Sinsel Food Bank, um, you can uh, donate to the Sinsel Food Bank this weekend at the game. Um, on your way to the game, please stop and pick up a tin of something. Charlie's got his ball mm-hmm. stuck under the bloody sofa again. Um, please stop and pick up a, a tin of something uh, and donate it to somebody um, less fortunate than you. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, right, I... I don't have anything to plug this week, but uh, I will uh, wrap it up so that Gary can free the ball from the bottom of the sofa and keep Charlie happy. All right, we'll see you guys next week. He's doing it for attention. (laughs) See you later, chaps. (laughs) See you. Bye-bye. Bye. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. Participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.